Hi, Pastor Chuck here, and I want to say thank you for listening with us today. Hope this message from God's Word encourages you, challenges you, inspires you, and reminds you of how much God loves you. We're starting a new series. I guess you can uh, tell. We're, we're starting one called Foretold. And uh, for this Christmas season, I want us to really look at some of the things that were told beforehand about this, this child that was going to be born. And today we're really going to focus on this baby and look at what was this baby's life going to be like. So let's start with our scripture reading, and then we'll jump right in from there. Today we'll be reading Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12. That's the entire chapter. Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when he shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. The transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed among his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul into his death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, whenever we have a, a new baby, you know, we, we like to imagine, like, what's it going to be like? You know, sometimes there'll be a baby just a few days old. And they're all like, oh, he's got so-and-so's nose or so-and-so's eyes. And uh, I used to laugh because, like, you know, it's a, it's a tiny little baby. It doesn't look like anything, but just a little baby. But we already start to, to see similarities and we start to imagine what it's going to grow up to be like. And, uh, and that's, that's the joy of, of seeing a new baby. What will, it, what will it look like? What will she grow up to be? What will, uh, will he be like his daddy or will he be like his mom? You know, we have all these questions about this child. And I'm sure that Mary had many of these same questions uh, as she enters into this, uh, uh, the later stages of her pregnancy, as she realizes what's happening, you know, especially given the supernatural experiences she's been through. I mean, she had an angel talk to her and explain to her how she uh, became with child. She sent an angel talk to her husband and say, "Hey, look, don't don't leave Mary. This is a part. This is something God's doing." She we, we saw um, last Sunday night for Sunday Monday how when she went to visit her her cousin Elizabeth, uh, who was the mother of John the Baptist, she prophesied that the baby inside my womb leapt because the mother of my Savior is here. She, all these things are happening. I'm sure she, there's so much to take in, and Mary's looking at thinking, "What's this child going to be like?" What's he gonna look like? What's what's his? You know, is he gonna? You know, is he gonna be liked? Is he gonna be disliked? What's gonna happen here? And this passage we're reading today, Isaiah, was written some six hundred to seven hundred years before Christ was born. 
You see, this baby's future wasn't shaping it, shaping out as the events were unfolding. It had already been foretold. And that's what we're going to look at this Christmas season is this idea of foretelling. Some of the things that were already told about this Messiah that would come, this Jesus, this, this Christ that would be living on this earth, but was told so many years before what was going to happen and what it was going to be like. Today, we're going to focus on that question Mary might have been asking. This passage tells Mary about her child, what it'll be like, and it's not what any mother wants to hear. Let's take a look at it verse by verse. He starts off, the Isaiah is the prophet that's, that's, that's uh, prophesying here, and uh, he, he's announcing that he has a message, a report. He says, who has believed our report? He wonders if anybody's going to believe him. You ever, you ever use the phrase, hey, I'm going to tell you something, but you're not going to believe this. That's kind of what he's saying. He said, I'm about to tell you something, but you're not going to believe this. You're, you're, you're not going to accept this. The, uh, the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, which would have been commonly in use about the time that Jesus was uh, walking on this earth, uh, it, it translates that passage, that word report there, as to be rumor. That, that idea that what he's sharing is something that, that hasn't happened yet, that, that's out there. Who's going to believe it? Are they going to treat it like it's just a rumor, or are they going to say, nope, this is more fact? And uh, so he said, who has believed our report? And he says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He said that, that, that phrase arm there, that word arm, is one that means work or power. Uh, I, some commentators say it should be the, the bare arm, like he's rolled up his sleeve and he's about to get to work. Who has seen God at work? Who has seen what God can do? And that's what Isaiah is saying right there. He said, I've got a message for you. I've got a report for you to tell you, and you're not going to believe it. Who can see what God's going to get, what God's doing? Who does God reveal his work to? Anyone who believes. You know, I was thinking about that passage, Romans 9, 10, or Paul right there, and he says, that If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in that heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God says, I'm sharing what I'm doing in this world with anyone. I, I created you. I, I set this whole world in motion, and, and your sin separated us. And I started a, a plan to reconcile that to bring you back to me, to, to cover that sin that, that you've caused to be separated between us. I'm doing this, and God is telling it. It's, it's there for everyone. Whoever will believe it, it's there for them. So that's what the other prophet is saying there. Who, who will believe this? And he goes on to, to tell us you know, that, that first part of the question that Mary might be asking, well, what's it going to look like? You know, what, what's it going to be like? What, what's, this, what's this Jesus going to, you know, how's he, what's, what is he? In verse 2 it says, for he, talking about the Messiah, the one that's going to come, the, is going to take away our sins. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He said he's going to he's going to start small. Now I can imagine many of the, uh, the the people that were waiting for the Messiah probably wondered, you know, is, is he just going to appear at some point? Is he just going to you know show up out of nowhere, or is he going to come as a baby? And as we know, he chose to come as a baby, as a small child. He said he, he chose to grow up before God, before uh, God the Father. There, as he's watching this plan unfold, Jesus, the Messiah, came. As an infant, he grew up as a tender plant, going through all the, uh, the challenges and all the, 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 the risks that we all go through in this life. And he says that's a root out of dry ground. He says he's going to come at a time when, the, when the, it seems like nothing can grow. It seems like nothing good can come, and then all of a sudden he's going to appear. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. But in this passage, he says... Uh, he hath no form or comeliness, and we shall see him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. He says he won't be born into this royal family with lots of status. In fact, he won't be anything special to most people's eyes. 
do be part of a royal family, but it's one that has now been forgotten. It's one that's now just part of the everyday people. There's nothing special about being of the lineage of David at this point in, in history. In fact, David's just a uh, uh, Joseph is just a carpenter. You know, Joseph is is uh, just you know, we can tell by the gifts they brought last week. We talked about the story of Simeon. How you know they're just a, a, an average middle class, uh, maybe even a little bit on the poorer side of middle class family. That they weren't wealthy, where they weren't popular, they weren't the ruling group. He was just a nobody from most people's perspective. That's what this child is going to be like. There's nothing. There's no beauty that we should desire him. He's not going to be the uh, you know the the one everybody looks at and goes, oh wow, I want to follow that person. He says there's going to be nothing distinguishing about him in terms of appearance. But what about acceptance? What about popularity? Parents worry about that, don't they? Will, will my child get along with others? Will you know? Will they? Any any, any parent ever taken their child to kindergarten and wondered? Are they going to get along with anybody? <laughs> I'm sure there's some that have reached that point. Like, who are they going to get along with? Well, in this case, he answers that question, too. He says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, whom we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Here, he answers the question, what this, what's this baby going to be like? This baby that we see lying in the manger at Christmas time that we portray there lying in the hay? What's, what's he going to grow up to be? Mary's probably wondering. Well, Isaiah's already said he's going to be despised. He's going to be rejected. It's not what any mother wants for her children, is it? You know, this, this explains why Simeon's message to Mary last week, remember as he was prophesying and praising God that he got to see the Messiah, he stops at the end and he turns to Mary and Joseph and he blesses them. And he addresses Mary in particular and he says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. He said this is going to be hard to take as a mother. This isn't anything a mother wants for their child that he's going to go through. He's going to be despised. He's going to be rejected. He's going to know sorrow. He's going to know grief. That's what this baby is like. That's what he's here for is to, to, to know what it's like to, to, to grieve and to go through sorrow, to be rejected. It says, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. deemed him not. You know, Jesus came to this earth. And for us, Christmas is a time of what? Joy. It's a time of hope. When we think about that, that's for us. That wasn't for him. He was coming in. He was being born and lying in that manger with all the pageantry we put around it at Christmas as we tell the story of the uh, the shepherds coming and then later the wise men coming and, and the angels appearing at different times in the sky and all this, this beauty, beautiful pageantry we have around Christmas. Jesus was coming there to be a man of sorrow, a man of grief. But there's more. It gets worse. Verse 4 says, Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He said, this, this, this child, he's going to know grief, he's going to know sorrow, and he's going to do that because of us. He, he would die for our sins, but the people would view him as if God was punishing him, as if God had rejected him. When he died on that cross, many would walk away from that cross going, well, I guess God punished that fellow for claiming to be the Messiah. They didn't even realize who he was. They, they misunderstood. Talk about being misunderstood. Jesus was misunderstood more than anyone. People looked at his death on the cross and said, yep, proves he wasn't who he said he was, when actually he was doing exactly what he came to do. Can you imagine the, 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 the difficulty of that? Mary's child would, would not be highly regarded in this world. That's what the prophet is telling us here. He would, he would be a man that's, that's nothing special from our worldly view. Even his death, people are going to look at it and go, eh, he didn't turn out to be much. And yet he's doing something. Mary, I probably also wonder, well, what's his life going to be like? Okay, so he's not going to be, uh, he's not going to be anything special. He's not going to you know, stand out among everyone else. He's not going to be super popular and, and well-liked. But what's his life going to be like? Well, as the prophet tells us, that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes, we were healed. You see, we're going to see in the next several verses several things about Jesus' life. We've already seen in verse 3 that he's going to be acquainted with grief. He's going to know what it's like to, to, to hurt, to be rejected. He's going to refuse to fight back. We'll see that in verse 7. He's not going to be deceitful. This passage puts a lot of uh, emphasis on that. The fact he will always be honest and he'll always tell the truth. We also, that's in verse 9, we'll see that. His life was also one of pain and suffering. That's what it's telling us here, that, that he's going to go through that. And when he's about to be killed, he'll willingly submit. We'll see that as we get further along as well. He's going he's gonna to do the opposite of what we expect people to do. But he would do all of this for our peace, to heal our sin nature. Notice how he says he was bruised for our iniquities. The word iniquities there is that word sin, is the, the wrong things that we do. Our, the chastisement of our peace. He's the one that had to go through this so that we could have peace with God. We could have reconciliation with God and with his stripes. You're healed. Heal us of our sin nature. That's what verse 6 is talking about. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, this is the problem that he came to solve. All, all we can think about is ourselves. Our human nature is all about me, me, me. What can I do? What's best for me? You know, we, we, we're essentially selfish people. That's, that's our human nature. And, and sometimes we don't even know how bad our sin is until God shows it to us, until he reveals it to us. But he's taken that sin. He's taken our iniquity uh, on him. You know, at the end of time, we'll stand before God, either holding our own sin, wondering what to do with it and how to, how to, to cover it up, or we'll stand there letting Jesus hold it. If we've let him take it on him. When he died on the cross, that's what he was doing, was taking our sin upon him. Have you accepted that salvation? That's what Paul was talking about in that Romans chapter. I mentioned that if we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. If we, we trust that this is his plan, that he can take our sin, that he was enough to cover our sins, we accept that, then we can have our sins forgiven. We can be made righteous, he says. He took our, our iniquity, our sin upon him. Notice how, he, how he's going to do that. Verse 7 says, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Those of know the Bible well, you know this is fulfilled at the time that Jesus is brought before his time that they're about to take him to, to crucify him, and they bring him in, and he doesn't speak a word, and he just stands there listening to what they're saying, and they're lying about it. They're telling stuff. They were told in one of the Gospels, they were, or they were making up stuff so much that they were even contradicting one another with their lies, and he stands there, doesn't say a word, and it says he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, where he just kind of stands there and lets them do what they need to do. As a sheep before her shears is done, a sheep doesn't go in and, and tell the uh, the shear, okay, don't don't mess with that part, don't do this. The sheep just walks in, and the shear comes in, and you know takes all the wool and move on. It's just there's there's no involvement. That's what it was like. Jesus came in and let them do what they had to do, because he was there for a purpose. I was on to say he was taken from prison and from judgment. We know that he was arrested, he was taken into custody, and he was there put through different parts of their their judgments. They took him to the different. Uh, leaders to get permission to, to accuse him, to punish him. It says, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off by the land of the living. The transgression of my people was he stricken. The prophets say, this, this child, this, this Messiah is coming, this baby that we're celebrating at Christmas, he's going to have to die. He's going to be cut off. He, he's, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna, his life is going to be taken from him. We know that's fulfilled in the life of Jesus and in his taking, in taking him to the cross and, and crucifying him there. And as he's hanging there on the cross, and he looks up, he says, 
it is finished. Notice it says, for the transgression of my people will be stricken. The prophet Isaiah here is saying, see, we're the ones that are to blame. We're the ones that are going to do this to him. That's what this baby was facing. Verse 9 says, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Now, that's an interesting combination there. The grave, the grave with his wicked. Remember, Jesus was hung on a cross and crucified. That was like what they would do to criminals. That was a horrible way to die. That was a shameful way to die. That was associated saying, look, this is a bad person, and we're ending their life because of the bad things that they've done. And yet, he had never done anything. He made his grave with the wicked. Everyone that looked at there that day, if they didn't know what was going on, they would assume, well, that's just some common criminal. And he raised rich with the rich in his death. Remember, he was buried in a rich man's tomb. And God worked it out that, that uh, you know, he was, he was buried in a, in a very nice tomb. The prophet prophesied all this hundreds of years before. And this is what this child is going to go through. He's going to live an amazing life. He's not going to be anything that you look at and say, oh, there's something special there as far as his uh, appearance or as far as his family uh, status. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be misunderstood even in his death. And yet he's doing this for us. And his life is going to be taken from him. It says, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He's going to be killed as a, as a criminal, even though he's done nothing wrong. Verse 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, that's an interesting phrase there where it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. What, what that word please means is it means acceptable. It means that he realized this is what we have to do if we're going to re- restore this relationship with these people we've created, with the with, with our creation here. Because it was acceptable to him. It, it pleased him. I, I think it's kind of like what we see in the book of Hebrews in 12.2. I think we mentioned this verse not too long ago where the writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, it pleased him to do this because it was a way to restore us. That's how much we meant to him. Not that he wanted to, uh, to have this punishment put on, on Jesus. Not that he wanted to have to bear the sins of the world on him that day. But he wanted a relationship with you. That's the God that created us. That's the God that loves you. That he was willing to do this. That he was willing to say, yes, this is a good plan. This is an acceptable plan. This is what we have to do. He says, he has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. That was the whole point. He, his, he was offering Jesus as an offering for our sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He said, yes, he's going to die. He's going to be cut off. He's going to bear our sins upon him. But he's also going to see another result out of this. That's not going to be the end of it. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, he says, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. He shall bear their iniquities. He says he's, he's going to see this travail, this, this pain, this, this horrible thing he has to go through. But as a result of that, he'll be satisfied. He'll look at it and go, it's good. Remember when God created creation? Uh, each day he finished whatever it was he was created that day, and he looked at it and it says he said that it was very good. That's what Jesus was doing when he was hanging on the cross. He was bearing our, our sin. He was going through a moment of anguish, a, a, a torture, a, a horrible experience. But he's looking at it and going, this is good. This is what needs to be done to restore these relationships or to, to take the sin away from these people who will believe in me. He'll see the travail of his soul and he'll be satisfied. Why? Because by his knowledge, because of what he did, we can be made righteous. He says, my righteous servant shall justify many. Jesus was that righteous servant. He's going to justify us. 
He's going to make it just as if we'd never sinned. He's going to take our sin away. He's going to give us his righteousness. And he shall bear their iniquities. And that last verse is, Therefore will I divide a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. See, Jesus, that baby lying in the manger, he's going to have a rough life. He's not going to be anything special to most people. He's going to be misunderstood, looked at as a criminal when really there's nothing. He's the only person who's never done anything wrong. He's going to die a, a criminal's death. And people are going to look at it and say, yep, God's punishing him. He's going to go through all of that for us to take our sins away. And the result here, he's going to come back again. It says, I will therefore, well, I will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he's poured out his soul into death. He says, after he does this, then he's going to be there. Remember that passage of Hebrews I talked about where it said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What did it say at the end of that? He's now seated at the right hand of God. He's back in heaven. He, he rose from the grave. And now he's waiting that day to come back and to take us. And he's going to, he's going to divide the spoil with us. He's going to, he says, I've go to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. He's going to share with us all this that he has. Those who, says, those who believe in him. It's, it's the knowledge of him that, that, that brings us to that point. It says he, the number with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many, made intercession for the transgressors. Aren't you glad we have someone who can beg on our behalf? Someone who can stand before God at the end of time when we're all standing there as humans, sinful, because they know, you know what? That one's sins have been paid for. That one's, I, I, took, I took his sin when I was on the cross. That one accepted my offer and he has my righteousness. We have one that can intercede for us. That's who he was. So what do you accomplish? What is this baby that's going to have such a rough life going to go through so bad that even his mother Mary says a, a, a sword's going to pierce her heart at the grief she has to watch him endure? Well, what did he accomplish? Because by his stripes, we are healed. Our sin nature, our sin is taken away. He's going to bear our iniquity. He's an offering for our sin. He's going to be that, that sacrifice for us. He did what he came to do. And that baby that was born in that manger was born for you. For me, he came and he was, he was God's gift to the earth. That's, that's why we give gifts at Christmas time. Because that was the, what God was doing to us saying, I'm going to give you this gift. It's not going to be easy. It's, it's, it's going to have a high price. But I'm going to do it anyway because of my great love for you. That's the God we serve. That's the, the God that we celebrate this Christmas. That's why we can look at Christmas as a time of joy, a time of hope, a time of peace. Because he did all that for us. And yeah, we'll, we'll still go through rough times. I mentioned Wednesday night. I was so frustrated Wednesday when we didn't get to go to the church and I had to go back home. I was so Christmas can be a frustrating time, can it not? Especially if you've lost loved ones around Christmas time, it can be a sad time. Or if it's your first Christmas without somebody, it can be a, a moment of, of grief. And it can be it can, all these different things. But in the midst of all of that, it can be about joy and hope because of what Christ went through, because of the pain he suffered, because of the rejection he endured. Because of his death on the cross, taking our sin and saying, you know what? No matter what happens in your life, you're forgiven. No matter what you do in your life, you're forgiven. That's the God we celebrate at Christmas. For anyone who will receive him, have you done that? As we get into this Christmas season and we think about this, this child, this, this baby, remember it was told so long before what was going to happen. This wasn't a surprise. This wasn't a, oh, last minute, let's change the plan. God worked, was working this all along. 
So as we celebrate Christmas, let's remember this, this, this baby in the manger and what he went through so that we can truly enjoy a time of celebration, a life filled with hope and one saying, you know what? My sins are forgiven. I've been made righteous. No matter what happens to me, he's got me. And that's our word of encouragement this week.